Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Sidhu. Coming up in this edition, West African military leaders are meeting in Ghana to discuss their options in response to the coup in Niger. More than a week after the Hawaii fires, only five of the 110 victims found so far have been identified. And authorities in India say nearly 80 people have died in rain-related incidents in the northern state of Himachal Pradesh. Starting in Africa, military leaders from the West African Regional Bloc (ECOWAS) are meeting in Ghana to discuss their options on restoring democratic order in Niger. The two-day meeting, scheduled for Thursday and Friday in the capital Accra, is to decide whether to deploy a standby force for possible military intervention. Deji Badamosi has more. They are expected to discuss everything from contribution of troops by member countries to the financing and logistics of the standby force. At their last summit in Abuja, ECOWAS leaders had said they hoped to resolve the political standoff in Niger diplomatically. But by pressing ahead with the activation of the standby force, they appear to be deploying the carrot and stick approach as they seek to reverse the coup in Niger. On paper, the standby brigade for West Africa of about, uh, I think, uh, 1,700 troops from the 15 countries, uh, different ratios of uh, coordinate. I mean, uh, of, of contribution. That is supposed to be a, a brigade that is even on standby here in Abuja. Abuja is supposed to be the The headquarters of that Ekoa standby brigade, but、uh, to my own understanding, it is not as if physically the troops are there, and we have like four or five of the countries that are supposed to have contributed, like you know Burkina Faso, Mali, uh, uh, Guinea, who are already having military,、uh, you know, regimes in their countries. They are not likely to contribute. So the question to ask is that where is that brigade going to come from? The Nigerian military junta has said it's now open to dialogue with ECOWAS, but it is also consolidating its hold on power. Its leader, General Abdul Rahman Itiani, has already appointed ministers, and on Tuesday, its military-appointed prime minister was in charge to meet with President Mohamed Idris Deby. In yet another sign that the new government is entrenching itself in Niamey. The junta has also said it has enough evidence to prosecute ousted and detained democratically elected President Mohamed Bazoum for what it calls high treason and undermining state security. Ecowas has warned that it is not going to accept that. That was Deji Bedomosi reporting. Still in West Africa, Niger's military leaders say suspected jihadists have killed 17 of their soldiers in an ambush near the border with Burkina Faso. The defense ministry says about 100 attackers were also killed in a counterattack operation led by the country's army. It's the deadliest attack since the coup that ousted President Mohamed Bazoum's government last month. Ger Amadou reports. The attack took place in the region of Tilaberi. Terrorist group, groups uh, uh, of Islamic State they attacked a village, which is called Boni. So in that village, so they they face、uh, security forces. And unfortunately,、uh, 17 soldiers died. According to military statement made,、uh, a counterattack make hundreds of、uh, terrorists die in in the mission.、Uh, most of soldiers are、uh, coming in the city to protect the junta. That's what we,、uh, most of the people are thinking. So this is why、uh, in the regions uh, where uh, terrorism、uh, is、uh, taking place, so we, we do not have enough soldiers. This is the situation. Since the beginning of the coup, I mean the 26th of July to now, 
Uh, we faced, I mean, six terrorist attacks, and we had, unfortunately, uh, 40 soldiers die, and uh, many of the civilians who died also. And we have most of the population who are moving from one place to another. So this is the security issue is one of, uh, let's say, the the, the failure of uh, of the junta at, at that moment. It seems that uh, in the side of the military forces who, who are ruling Niger currently, we can say that uh, they are preparing to to face, let's say, uh, ECOWAS strikes or let's say ECOWAS military missions in Niger. That was Ke Amado in Niger. Turning to North America, more than a week after the Maui fires, just five of the 110 people that are confirmed dead have been identified so far. Communication is still difficult, and the water supplies are contaminated in many places. Meanwhile, some of those dealing with the pain and destruction are being approached by people seeking to buy their land. Greg Navarro reports. A very windy day here on the island of Maui. That's creating problems for firefighters. So we're still working on putting out some hot spots. We saw military helicopters scooping water out of the Pacific and dropping it on hot spots outside of the historic town of Lahaina. About 110 people, at least 110 people confirmed dead, but more than 1,000 people remain unaccounted for. Crews slowly making their way through that town, including cadaver dogs and investigators looking for any signs of remains of people. We're told only five people have been positively identified. Authorities saying that what's left there is just not enough to go on. They are urging the public, urging people to provide any kind of DNA possible to help with that identification process. Meanwhile, roads in and around that historic town are open once again for the first time after a bit of a backlash from locals. They're allowing the public to drive near the town but not go anywhere near as investigators to continue to comb through that area. And there's word now from the White House, U.S. President Joe Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will make an official visit here to Maui on Monday. The president had been under increased scrutiny for uh, at least claims or that he had not really addressed the uh, tragedy. That was Greg Namaro reporting from Maui, Hawaii. In Asia, authorities in India say nearly 80 people have died in rain-related incidents in the northern state of Himachal Pradesh. The state government has decided to shut all educational institutions to ensure the safety of students. Ravinda Bawa has more from Delhi. The rain has reduced, but unfortunately the damage done is quite severe. The havoc these rains that have created in the last three days have resulted in major landslides and despite the rain stopping in certain areas, landslide reports are still coming in from different parts of the state. The rescue teams from the State Disaster Response Force, National Disaster Response Force, Army, Air Force, Police and Home Guards, all of them are on the ground. Many people are still buried in the, the debris. So the real numbers are still not known. The death toll, of course, now above 70 and the authorities fear that it will go up further. Highways have been cut off, three national highways cut off, 700 roads have been blocked. The chief minister has said that the loss is above 10 billion dollars and it is going to take more than a year to actually come uh, to bring the state into normalcy and what is being said is of course one of the reasons to be blamed is climate change but the other is a human uh, error in the sense that there are a lot of illegal constructions. That was Ravinda Bawa on the ongoing search and rescue operations after heavy rains in northern India.
Onto Europe, Ukraine says a cargo ship has left the Ukrainian port of Odessa for Istanbul through the Black Sea corridor. It set sail despite Russia's warning that all ships traveling to and from Ukrainian ports will be regarded as military targets. Yulo Abdafid reports. Those smaller ports uh, on the Danube River have actually become increasingly important for uh, the Ukrainian government and for the port authorities in Odessa because, quite simply, it is the only way to try and get uh, a, a serious amount of tonnage of grains away to the markets in Africa, in Asia and also in Europe. I think some good news from the Ukrainian point of view that this one container ship uh, left Odessa port, the very first one to leave uh, in carrying containers, and that ship itself uh, had been compounded here, basically been stuck here. Since. But the real danger for the Ukrainians is that these smaller ports and the, the storage facilities are being targeted. The other two options for the Ukrainians are either to take it by road uh, and trucks, and the, by road or by rail. And there is a difficulty by rail as well because of the different gauge from Ukraine to Poland. They're still keeping the economy afloat in terms of the grain uh, and by taking a certain amount of tonnage out, but nowhere near uh, as when the Black Sea Grain Initiative was still operational and nowhere near, of course, to what they were doing before February 2022. That's Elo Abdafid reporting. In the Middle East, the Arab League is taking steps to resolve the long-running crisis in Syria. Top diplomats from five Arab nations have met their Syrian counterparts in Cairo. The meeting of the Arab Ministerial Liaison Committee on Syria follows the reinstatement of the war-torn nation to the Pan-Arab Organization in May. Abdel al-Maruki reports. Syrian Foreign Minister Faisal al-Maghdad visited Egypt on Tuesday to begin Arab talks in hopes to settle the long-standing Syrian crisis. The first Arab Ministerial Liaison Committee on Syria includes Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Jordan, Lebanon and the Arab League's Secretary General. Although all participants described the talks as promising, Egyptian Foreign Minister Samah Shukri said the process will take time. It will be an underestimation to set a deadline for ending the Syrian crisis with its depth, length and all its complications. We therefore are building a framework, a system for a set of principles to achieve our target, the speed of which relies on the response rate for the Syrian government, as well as the support it gets from its Arab brothers and international powers. The Cairo talks reached an agreement for Damascus to allow humanitarian assistance to enter the country through all the land crossings with Turkey. Syria also accepted Oman's initiative to resume the operation of Syria's constitutional committee earlier tasked to create a new legal foundation for the country. Foreign Minister Al-Maghdad also gave his government's assurances to guarantee the safe return of all Syrian refugees who choose to return home. I hope that the positivity which surrounded our meetings in Cairo will continue, as well as the flexibility we've seen from the Syrian side to help in reaching an agreement. This is a vital track that will end the stagnation that surrounded the Syrian crisis for five years and the negative implications that had on the Syrian people due to the disregard of the international community to this issue. The main purpose for these meetings is to discuss the recent developments in the Syrian crisis and discuss the steps the Syrian government takes towards resolving the crisis. 
The committee is tasked with formulating an Arab plan that is compatible with UN resolutions and international law. They've agreed to proceed with a step-for-a-step approach, which is a great success. The step-for-a-step principle ensures that Arabs provide support and international integration for Syria as it accomplishes each of the agreed-upon milestones. Arab ministers in Cairo vowed to support Syria's fight against terrorism and help it maintain its territorial unity and integrity. At the end of the meetings, the Syrian foreign minister received a set of recommendations from the participating countries for Damascus to consider. The Arab Liaison Committee's next meeting will take place during the UN General Assembly in New York next month. It will then rotate between its participants beginning with Iraq. Experts from the Arab League and the six countries in the committee will hold separate meetings to discuss and resolve each of the hanging issues. That was Abdo al-Maruki in Cairo, Egypt. Before we go, here's a recap of the top stories. West African military leaders are meeting in Ghana to discuss their options in response to the military coup in Niger. More than a week after the Hawaii fires, only five of the 110 victims found so far have been identified. And authorities in India say nearly 80 people have died in rain-related incidents in the northern state of Himachal Pradesh. And that concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Qi Zhi. Thank you for listening.